Thank you, Father. What a good way to start, yeah? Just kind of a sense of really meeting with God, enjoying God. It's great now to uh, invite Clyde's going to come and speak to us tonight. Clyde's... Um, can tell his own story. I we I only met Clyde once, and that was when uh, a carload of us drove over to Cumbran last year when they're in the middle of God's outpouring of amazing miracles and salvation on them. And uh, it was a five-hour journey there and a five-hour journey back. And when we when we arrived there, uh, this bunch of kind of slightly cramped up five guys in a car. Uh, Clyde, we just met met him there. Didn't know who he was and. He, he made us a cup of tea and chatted to us for 45 minutes and just so enthusiastic about what God was doing amongst them. And it was just so humbling to know that he was one of the leaders of the church there, but he was just prepared to make us a cup of tea and be so enthusiastic about what God's doing. And so I know that he's going to be such a blessing having him and Rebecca here with us this weekend. And I just know that his passion, his love for Jesus is going to rub off on us. So uh, let's just welcome Clyde up as he comes to speak. Good evening. It's really great to be here. And um, thank you so much for inviting us and for that kind welcome. Um, Who's excited tonight? Good. It's always good to come into church with expectation in our hearts. Um, In fact, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Um, Anyone need some encouragement tonight? I think we've already had some, but you know. Life sometimes can be really tough, can't it? And uh, as we were coming down here today, I was praying and saying, Lord, what do you want to do? You know, I I, I always have messages ready. You prepare ahead of time, but always right up to the moment you get somewhere, you're saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And even as we've been in here tonight, three things have really stuck out to me. And I I just want to highlight them. First of all, uh, what was your name? You said you, you prayed about an open heaven. Uh, that was wonderful. And then someone prophesied and said, um, brought a word, and you talked about us being children, putting our Christmas hats back on. And then um, someone else mentioned uh, platform. And um, the message that I've got for you tonight is from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. So if you've got a Bible, please turn there with me. Before we get into the word, Let me say a big, big thank you to Mike uh, Betts and also, of course, Ben Parrish. It is really great to be here. And uh, the five-hour journey was nothing because I feel like I'm home. The one thing I love about church is you you feel like you're at home when you're around people of like mind. Amen? And uh, and that's a good thing. Okay, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. Let's just just pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, I want to thank you for your name. Lord, your name is the only name under heaven by which men, women, boys, girls, children, everything can be saved. Father, your name is to be glorified. It's to be lifted up. We live for your name and for your fame. Lord, we live in a generation that is crooked, often perverse, dark, challenging. All around us, we see such challenging things. But Lord, we want to be people who can have a kingdom impact in the world in which we live. So I pray you would take your truth tonight and that you would reveal something fresh to each one of us in this place. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless his word as we read it. Verse 9 says this of 1 Peter chapter 2 
But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has a destiny and a purpose on each one of our lives. In fact, God has destined us to live in purpose. God has shaped us. He has formed us. He has put us together uniquely, crafted us with his own hand for a specific purpose in God. You know, this conference is about kingdom impact. When you th- whenever you think about kingdom impact, the number one person that we have to look to is Jesus. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God wherever he went. Have you ever noticed how much Jesus loved to interrupt situations? Have you ever noticed how much chaos Jesus left behind him? There was, there was people that hated him and there were people that loved him. Some of Jesus' greatest miracles resulted in him being thrown out of town. But there was always someone that was challenged, moved and changed through the message of the kingdom. And as we start tonight, I felt that it was a really good place to start by talking about influence, our influence in the kingdom because of the kingdom, because of Jesus. Every single one of us has influence. And we don't have it because of our position. We don't have it because maybe we're a leader or maybe we're a pastor or maybe we work in a shop. That, that has nothing to do with our influence that God has given us. It can have something to do with it, but, but it's not the main thing. The main reason that we have influence is because of our position in Jesus, our position as children of God. And I want to bring some things out of this scripture for you tonight. God has given you, every single one of you in this place tonight, a very unique and special platform. You know, sometimes we can come into church, can't we? And if we're honest, all of us can feel like this at times. From the person who's just new in the door to the person who kind of is very settled in church, we can feel a bit like an outsider. But God doesn't want it to be that way. God wants us to be one. He wants us to be united. And he wants us first and foremostly to understand our identity in him. You know, the most amazing thing is that when you understand who you are in Jesus, when you understand who you are in God, he gives you the ability to live really, really loudly. He gives you the ability to live really, really courageously, riskily. He gives you the ability to move in faith. You know, if you'd have asked me, 11 or 12 years ago, what do you think you'll do with your life? Well, my life didn't have any platform. It didn't have any influence. I was a drug addict. My life was in an absolute pit of despair. 21 years old, I was sleeping on a park bench in Bournemouth. Today, I have this beautiful woman who's sitting on the front row that I'm married to. I have a ministry. I have great church friends. I have a wonderful vacation, vocation in life. I have great family relations. God is restored. God is restored. And maybe you're in here tonight and you've got stuff going on in your heart, stuff going on in your life. Maybe it's not as dark or as, or as distant as that. Maybe it's just things that are clinging onto your heart and life 
and preventing you from having the level of influence that God wants you to have, that God has destined you to have. You see, when I was sleeping on a park bench, stealing to feed a drug habit, when my family had cut me off and given up on me, God still had the same destiny in mind for me back then as he has today. He had still destined me to have kingdom impact, and he has still destined you to have kingdom impact, no matter what you're going through. And no matter where you find yourself today, maybe you're in here tonight and you've got a son or a daughter and they have lost their way. You know, the prodigal, the prodigal really means someone who's excessively wasteful. Maybe there's people in your life like that tonight. They have been excessively wasteful and you found it, find it hard to forgive them. I want to say to you, even in the pigsty, even in the mire, even in the clay, even in the horrible pit, as David put it in Psalm 40, even when we can't see a way forward, God still has a platform for that person. Tonight, as you come to this word, I want you to be thinking of your loved ones. I want you to be thinking wider than just us in here tonight. Let's think about this community. Let's think about our brothers and sisters who maybe couldn't make it tonight. Let's think about our loved ones because God wants this place to have influence. But this place can only have influence when you understand the platform that God has given you. Not one of you is excluded from this tonight. Not one of you has fallen too far, gone away too much. God has given you influence. As long as there is breath in your lungs tonight, you have a microphone in your hands. Now, I know you're looking at me and thinking, but you've got the microphone. And yeah, that's true. But the truth is this, our lives can be like a loudspeaker. Our lives can amplify and resound. Our lives can make a noise for God. And that noise can be positive or it can be negative. Have you ever heard a speaker that's gone wrong? Have you ever heard a speaker that's blown? You know, when I was a teenager, I used to like to turn music up really loud. But, you know, as I've got that little bit older, I've realized that actually music isn't best when it's really loud. It's best when it's quality. There's a difference between a Bose sound doc and, you know, and I don't know, an Aldi's own, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's about the quality. And, you know, the things of God, it's about the quality of our lives that we live. And that is what this scripture is going to tell us all about. You see, your life tonight has been built to reverberate, to resound. It's been built to make a noise. It's been built to broadcast, to amplify. It's been built specifically for a purpose in God. Because he has plans for your life. He has plans and a destiny and a purpose for you and for me and for your children. He wants you to do something great for the kingdom. He wants you to make an impact. He wants you to dent the world in which you live. He wants your life to count for something. He doesn't want you to get to the end of your life and look back and think, man, I live my life like a cheap Aldi speaker. He wants you to look back and think, yeah, man, I was the boss. Forgive me for those of you that know nothing about speakers right now. But I convinced my, my wife to buy me a Bose sound dock a few years ago. Anyone know what they are? Am I, am I talking to the converted? Right. For those of you that don't, Bose are so good that they're tiny. They don't have to be big. They don't have to 
kind of have this massive box. They come in a little box. They're little tiny speakers, but they're amazing quality. You see, it's not what it looks like on the outside. It's not always what our life looks like on the outside that makes us amplify and resound for the kingdom of God. It's what's going on in the inside. And inside that little tiny package, that little tiny sound dock, is technology that is built for purpose. It's built for the the real men of the world who want stuff to sound good. Anyone know what I'm saying? I've lost half of the congregation here right now, but, but that's okay. I'll give you some other examples as we go through. But your life is like that. It is built for quality. It is built to have someone inside of you who is different and distinct from any other person that has ever lived. Jesus is unique. He is in a different class. He is in a completely different league to anyone else. We sung that beautiful song, and I'd love you to tell me the name of that song before I go. There's no other name. We were singing about his name and about letting no other name take glory. I love that. It reminds me of that wonderful scripture in Isaiah 26, verse 8, where it says we live to glorify his name. I tell you, there is something powerful when we live to glorify his name, when we live for his fame and not our name or our fame you know there are so many people aren't there who want a bit of their own glory or a bit of their own platform but you know what I've realized as I've been going through the few years that I have it is all about Jesus And I tell you, the best things happen when we get out of the way. The best things happen when we just let God be God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's a few things that will help your life to echo and resound loudly. First one is very, very simple. It's a very simple point, but it'll blow you away if you really grasp this. You are not ordinary. You are not ordinary. You know, we go through life, don't we? And we feel very ordinary at times. Even those of us that maybe live quite exciting lives, maybe we can look back at our lives and we can think, well, I've had a a reasonably good level of life. We still have to wake up and brush our teeth. You know, not one of you in here doesn't have to wake up and brush your teeth. Not one of you in here doesn't have to wash your clothes. Not one of you in here doesn't have to have a bath or a shower. Because do you know what? Our lives are mundane. They are ordinary. Every one of us that has kids has to look after our kids. Every one of us that's got a wife or a husband, we have to love our wives and our husbands. Every one of us that has a job, we have to turn up on time. We have to go home on time. We have to get the right lunch break. Because life so often is ordinary. And you know, the the world in which we live is constantly pushing us to become more and more ordinary, to become more and more boring, to become more and more deluded into thinking that our lives really can count for nothing, that we're just going to one day get to the end of our lives and that's it. But the kingdom of God is different to that. 
It comes with a different message. Jesus comes and says, look, the devil has come to steal and kill and destroy. He has come to steal life. He has come to kill joy. He has come to destroy your purpose and your destiny and your platform. But I have come that you may have life in all of its fullness. God wants you to live abundantly. He doesn't want you to just be ordinary. He wants you to find joy and excitement in the ordinary and purpose and plans even in the ordinary. This is a dictionary definition of ordinary. Having no special or distinct features. Uninteresting, commonplace. Commonplace. Uninteresting. No special or distinct features. If you line that up against what we just read in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, Is that a true statement? Anybody? Who's for yes? And who's for no? It's not, is it? It doesn't line up. I mean, if you parallel the two, Peter's very clear. He says, but you. In other words, I'm going to start this statement with no doubt. I'm not going to leave you with any doubt in your mind. I want you to know that this statement is for you. It's for me. It's for every one of us. But you are a chosen generation. You're not ordinary. You're not uninteresting. You're not mundane. You're not commonplace. You are a chosen generation. You know, other people in our lives can make us feel very non-glamorous. They can make us feel mundane. I mean, you only have to switch the TV on and it's enough to depress anyone, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, drive to work, you see the billboards, it's enough to depress anyone because we are geared, we are being programmed every day to fit the pattern of this world. We are being programmed every day to see images that we can never attain to. We are being programmed every day to see this almost different class of superstar. We'll talk about that in a little minute. Of of person who is kind of up there. They're really living life. They're really exciting. And this is little old me. Here. Lowestoft. Cumbran. Wherever. Just waiting for that break. Life shouldn't be like that, folks. Jesus never intended life to be like that. We're not waiting for our destiny. We are living in our destiny today. You know, some people say, when I get there, then I'll be fulfilled. Hold on a minute. Jesus never said, wait till you get to a a place or a position. He said, right now, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a special people. Man, if that doesn't get you excited, then I don't know what will tonight. Because on the authority of God's word, I want to say to you, you are not ordinary. You are completely unordinary. I mean, let me just start with this. Genesis in the first book of the Bible, it starts with a very simple fact. You are made in the image of God. How can someone who's made in the image of God be ordinary? How can someone who is made in the image of God not be made for something amazing? Not be made for, the, if we're going to talk about kingdom impact, then we've got, to, we've got to clarify one thing right now. Every single one of us in this place is made in the image of God. And if we're made in the image of God, then we are not ordinary. God is amazing. Did you know that nothing else in creation was made in his image? Nothing. Not the angels, not the stars, not the galaxies. Not the ground, not the trees. We were just in, I was saying to Mike, we were just in Egypt 
We went to Sharm El Sheikh and we went on a glass bottom boat because we're too scared to do diving. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you the real story. We were, <laughs> we were going to do snorkeling and uh, somebody said that the fish come up to you as you're getting in the sea and they bite, bite your legs. And if you've got any scabs on your legs, then they'll, they'll bite them off. And that was it for us. We didn't do snorkeling, did we? <laughs> but we did go on a glass-bottom boat. Has anyone ever done anything like that, diving or glass-bottom boat? Or anything? And, you know, you get out there and you just think, wow. I mean, some of you, you've, okay, you've watched Finding Nemo, right? If you haven't been on a glass-bottom boat. <laughs> you know, it's like a completely different world. It's like, man, I didn't even know all of that stuff was there. How amazing is God that when we think we know so much, then, we, then suddenly we just go out on a little glass bottom boat and again our mind is blown at the amazing creator of everything, this God who flung the stars into space, who knitted the whole of the solar system together, who holds the air together at such a point that we don't die instantaneously. The exact levels of oxygen and carbon and all the other properties are perfect to keep us alive and then you go out and you see maybe a starry sky or or you see like like we did at this glass bottom boat and you just think wow that's incredible but then when you see it you realize that is incredible and it's beautiful but if you understand what Genesis teaches you realize that even all that beauty wasn't formed in the image of God All of that stuff, it doesn't have God's image on it. It doesn't have what you and I on it. It hasn't been stamped with the creator. It it hasn't got that, that reflection of God in it that enables us to have the level of kingdom impact that Jesus said that you and I can have. Isn't it amazing? When we talk about, we heard earlier, greater things. What I mean, what does that even mean? That blows my mind. I don't know what that means. But it's got something to do with the image of God that's on our lives. It's got something to do with our identity in him. No other part of God's creation has that. Let's look at this thing, chosen. You know, chosen, when I was in middle school, I was kind of, I loved football. Some of, does anyone love football, rugby or tennis or ping pong? <laughs> Dominoes. <laughs> I loved football, but I was never the best at football. I was good. You know, you kind of get really bad, bad, bit bad, average, good, very good, untouchable. And always the one that was untouchable, they always got picked first. And, you know, there'd always be two captains. You remember, you've been there. You've had a time when you. And no one wants to be picked last, do they? No one wants to be picked last. When God says in this scripture that we are a chosen generation, it is completely different to that. It's not like that at all. It is not that God had us all lined up and then said, okay, I'll have him, I'll have her, I'll have you, I'll have you. It isn't like that. This thing chosen is based on something much different to just who do I like the best, like it was at school. Who do I like the best? Who's my friend? Who's good at football? Who's going to help me win? That's not how God chooses us. In the Greek, 
It literally means not just picked. It is chosen based on preciousness and love. We are all chosen in him. When Jesus died on the cross, he chose us all. He chose us all to be a chosen generation. And now it's your choice to choose to be chosen. It is your choice to choose to be chosen, to choose to step into the destiny, to have the kingdom impact that God is calling you to have, to take up your platform, to grab a hold of your microphone in your daily life. And it's not a microphone that looks like this. It's the microphone of your actions and your character and your faith and your risk and the, and the, and the word of God in you, which amplifies out through the loudspeaker of your life. You were picked. Can I just say something very simple? God didn't get stuck with you. It, you weren't the last one and he had to choose you. You know, okay, I'll take him anyway. I'll take her. That's not what it means when God says you are chosen. You are chosen out of preciousness and love. He chose you in the beloved son of God. He didn't get stuck with you. You are chosen because he picked you. He picked us. He picked the people of the world right now. He picked every single one of them. But we have to make a choice to choose to be chosen. You know, it's amazing, but we invited him in. I can remember a time when I invited Jesus into my life, but he knocked on the door first. God is always knocking on the door of our hearts. God is always knocking, waiting for the opening. I know for me, he knocked many times. When I used to walk past the, the Salvation Army band in Bournemouth, I mean, even the Salvation Army can get people saved, you know. Salvation Army officer, God bless him, got me a flat. I had no intention of following Jesus, but somehow God was knocking on the door. I carried on in my life of sin, but that, I'll always remember it, because God was knocking on the door. A few months later, I got gloriously saved in prison. Thank God. Why? Because he was still knocking on the door. When we answer, that's great. But never think that you chose God. He chose you. Never get so arrogant that you think that you or I can suddenly make a choice to switch on or off to the things of God. God is knocking and God is waiting tonight, even now, for people to say, God, I want, I want everything that you've got. I want to go deeper. I don't want to reject the knocking any longer. For some of you, God is knocking for a new level of ministry. For some of you, he's knocking for a new le level of compassion and love. For some of you, he's knocking for the first time and he's saying man I want you to truly encounter my love and my grace and my forgiveness for some of you he might be knocking to push you in a different direction for some of you he might be knocking and saying hold on you're getting too comfortable I want to interrupt your life I tell you God is always knocking on the door of our hearts you were picked royal priesthood royalty you know it's a different class isn't it when you think about royalty, we're blessed in England because we have the royal family. You know, you go to a palace and, and it's completely different. You know, if you come to my house, you can walk right up to the front door, bang the door. You can bang it as loudly as you like and you won't get told off. You know, and, and it's just a normal door. But you go up to Buckingham Palace, you can't do that. There's guards, there's fences, there's all of the rigmarole that you have to go through. Why? Because royalty are in the palace. It's a royal dwelling. Do you know the book of John says that he 
has prepared a place for you. He has gone ahead and prepared a place for you, a mansion, if you read the King James Version. If you read the NIV, it's a room. <laughs> but hey, you'll sell, I'll sell for a room. Yeah, mansion, anyway. But you know, God has gone ahead and he has prepared a place for us. He has chosen us and he has called us royal. How can you be ordinary when God is building a mansion for you? How can you be ordinary when he has chosen you and called you royal? He has put you into a different class. You are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords tonight. We heard it earlier. You're a child of God. That's amazing, isn't it? But what, how, why do we find it so hard to take up our position in him? I'll tell you why. Because every single day, the world and the enemy is trying to steal your identity. Because if he can nick your identity, if he can rob you, if he can stop you from understanding that you are chosen and that you are royal, then he, he knows that you can't have any good kingdom impact. It's hard to be selfish of the things of God when you understand that it's all about him. It's hard to get self-centered and, and kind of have an ego when you understand that it's only because of him, it's only because of what he has done and the platform that he has given you. And that, that by the way, is not a platform like this. It's a platform of being a child of God. I know I'm laboring that, but you know, when that sinks in, it's powerful. That platform you see, so many of us, we, we want the platform, don't we? You know, when I got saved, all I wanted to do was preach. I was like, someone give me an opportunity, please. And maybe you've got dreams like that. But you know what? It's not about this. It's not about the lights. It's not about the worship. It's not about the building. It's about him. What platform is he giving you here what opportunities have you got to display his name and his fame? How can you better do it? How can you become more equipped? Well, I'll tell you one way. It's by understanding who you are in him. Completely different. Holy. It means to be set apart, reserved for exclusive use, not common. It means that you are set apart for something different. You know, so many people, they get saved and then they think, well, can I just carry on living the way I do? Well, no. That would be absolutely stupid. You've been now set apart. Peter says there you've been pulled away from the darkness into this marvelous light. In other words, you are no longer fit for sin. You are no longer destined to, to live a life of sin and bondage. And you are no longer destined to carry on with the works of the flesh. Listen, we all stumble and we all make mistakes. Let's be honest. But we're not destined for that anymore. We're not in that bondage anymore. We're not restricted and closed and chained in that way anymore. In fact, Romans 8 talks about the law of sin and death. And it's a bit like this. You know, if I drop this, I normally do it with my Bible, but I don't know if you might get offended, so I'll do it. It's going to fall to the ground. Why? Because the law of gravity is at work. The law of sin and death is constantly pulling us down 
until the day that we receive Jesus. And then it says that there's a new law at work in our hearts, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This amazing law of the spirit of life that has pulled us out of darkness. And now we're in this marvelous light. But do you know what? So many people live in the marvelous light, but they don't understand their position and who they are in Jesus. So they carry on serving the flesh rather than relying on the spirit. So to the spirit, not the flesh. Why? Because he who sows to the flesh will reap corruption and death. And he who sows to the spirit will reap life everlasting. God has not just said, do the right thing. Try harder. Make the right decisions. That's not the full gospel. God has given you power, authority, position. He has destined you. He has given you a platform where you are already winning. Can anyone say amen? You're already winning. You're already set to win. You're already on the prize stand. Why? Because he has pulled you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're a special people. This carries the idea of ownership. There was a transaction just a chapter earlier in 1 Peter 1 verse 18. It says this, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Did you hear that? Aimless conduct. Anyone in here ever felt like Christianity is just trying harder and you can never make the mark? Anyone ever felt like your works are never good enough, like you can't make it? You just try harder and you've been to counseling and you've spoke to pastors and you've been round the block. You've been to every conference under the sun. You've paid money. You've bought books and you still have that problem. Why? I want to say to you tonight, it's about understanding your position doesn't make you perfect doesn't make you suddenly completely free of all the flesh but it gives you power grace comes in and it gives you the ability and the desire do you know one thing i love about god he doesn't leave us with the old desires when you truly meet jesus And you listen, sometimes we need to come back to Jesus, by the way, because we kind of move away from this. And the old desires start to creep back in. Remember the day I got saved? So happy. So excited. Give it a couple of years. Church gets a hold of you. Religion gets a hold of you. Pulls it all out, doesn't it? Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe you have been drained. Maybe you've been sucked dry of the life. That God is trying to give you. Come back tonight. Come back to the feet of Jesus tonight. Come back to his heart. Find freedom again at the cross. Cross over from darkness. You know, just because you're walking in darkness, it doesn't mean you're a really bad person. It just means you're not walking in the light anymore. And if you're not walking in the light anymore, 1 John tells us, But the blood of Jesus Christ is not cleansing us from sin sin anymore because it says, if you walk in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. We just have to ask him for, just confess our sins. Forgive me, Lord. About a year ago, probably a bit longer than that now, actually. Time goes fast. It was actually about August last year. Young girl called Lucy. 
She came into a church in Cumbran, rolled, walked around the back. The church was busy. It was a Thursday night. She was 17 years old. Scars all over her. Absolutely all over her. I didn't know that because she was completely clothed in black. But I knew it a little bit later. That night she stood at the back. She was white as a ghost. No hope in her eyes. Darkness had grabbed her. This girl was a Christian, 13 years old. Became a Christian. Went through her teenage years. Starved herself. Did all the, all the stuff that young people do. I don't know why. I think it's something to do with the world trying to push them. The world trying to conform them. Why do we all do anything we do? There's a world out there that's trying to make us lose our platform. She came into church that night. Gospel was preached. I made the altar call at the end. And it was simple. It was who wants everything and who is willing to give everything to God. Not tomorrow, tonight. Who is willing to come to the altar and do business with God? Who is going to come to the altar where it alters? Who is willing to just get down on their face and stay at the altar until it alters? You know, we've lost that in Christianity. We've lost that in the church, haven't we? I mean, I was locked up in rehab for the first two years of my faith. So all as I had to do was the program, and then the evenings were boring. So I was on my face before God. And you know what? I, did, I grew a love for his presence. But I tell you, something powerful happens when we don't just come into church, kind of go along with the flow and go out. Something powerful happens when we come to the altar and we say, God, I'm not getting up off this floor until you change me. I'm going to wrestle. I'm going I'm to lay hold of the things of God. And that girl came forward that night. I didn't know her. I didn't know her name was Lucy. I didn't know she had scars all over her body. I just saw her white, withered, dressed in black. Who's this? She came forward. She gave her life back to Jesus. She said, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. And then she laid and she sobbed and she sobbed and she sobbed on the floor. Three nights later, another girl walked in. This time her face was glowing. And this time it really grabbed my attention because I thought no one should dress like that in church. You ever had one of those moments? I mean, this girl was wearing literally next to nothing. But what struck my attention this time was she had scars all over her body. Little did I know that it was the same girl. And I said to her, are you okay? It just looked so shocking. And she said, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, who are you? And she said, I'm Lucy. I'm the girl that was at the altar the other night. And she said, I got up from the floor and I got up different. She said, I have never exposed these scars in three years. And she said, when I got up that, off that floor, I went home. I took out the kit that I did all this with and I destroyed it. I chucked it away in the bin and I vowed before God that I am going to show off my scars, even if it gets me in trouble, because these are my trophies of grace. The next day she got up, she went into college. Imagine this 17-year-old girl. She was a different girl. She was glowing, but there were scars all over her body. And she went in with a little short skirt, a little crop top. And then she came to church and she kept doing it week in, week out. 
All through the summer, it got to Christmas, she was still doing it. I mean, she was freezing. And then she met a lad in her church, her, her home church, great church she goes to. And then she got friendly with this guy. And now they're married. And now they're missionaries. And they're in India. Within the space of a year, from that girl being on the floor, a broken mess. Within the space of a year of her just one night saying, do you know what? God has a purpose. I don't understand why I've been through what I've been through. I don't understand why I've been looking in all these different places. But one day she just got serious with God. And she said, I don't care if anyone else moves from their seat. I'm going to get my platform right. I'm going to get my walk with God right. I'm going to get on my face before God. And I'm going to stay there. And she just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And she got up different. I tell you, that girl is radical. She just literally got married. I mean, they had no money. They had nothing. I I remember they came into the church and she was like, I'm getting married. I was like, well, where did that come from? And she said, my wedding has been paid for and someone had blessed her and then they had no money. And and then she said, we are going to Asia. I looked at her boyfriend. Are you sure about this? Yeah, we're getting married. And she said, we're going. So we're going. And I just read on Facebook the other day that already they leading people to Jesus already. They're using their scars for God's glory. Why? Because one night they dared to believe that her life could make an impact for the kingdom of God. Thank God for Lucy. Thank God for that. You're not ordinary, guys. You're not ordinary. You are not ordinary. There's so much more I want to say, but I'm going to only do one of the other points that I've got for you tonight. And it's this. You know, we live in a generation where people just, they love all these TV shows, X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, all these different ones. Anyone watch any of them? I just, we got rid of TV because I hate them shows so much. We only have iPlayer now. Plus, you know, everyone watches these things, even if they don't like them, that somehow they get on the box. Somehow, somewhere, you'll see it. X Factor, Britain's Got Talent. What are, they, what are these shows all about? Well, they're looking for the next sensation. They're looking for the next famous person, aren't they? And, you know, sometimes it's so cruel, isn't it? It's so cutthroat. And you get that thing where the camera flips between the two of them. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be her? Is it going to be him? Is it going to be her? And the camera keeps flipping and then a tear drops down one of their faces. And then it shows you clips of their backgrounds and it does all this stuff. It's clever. But what is that stuff actually doing to us? Listen, this is not a preach against X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. If you enjoy it, God bless you. But think about the deeper meaning. Think about what it's doing to you. Ask yourself, is it, is it helping the platform that God has given me? Is it reinforcing that God wants to make a star out of me? Now, some of you are confused because all as you can think about when you think of that statement is the stardom that we see on the TV, famous, naming lights, all of this. That's not the kind of star that God is looking for. That's not what God wants to do with your life or my life. But he does want to make a star out of us. He does want to use us for his own glory. He does want to use us to glorify his name. He does want to use us to have kingdom impact. And he wants us to be incredible 
at it. Listen to this scripture, John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he commissioned his followers, you are the light of the world. Seems a bit contradictory, doesn't it? I'm the light of the world. And then he says, no, you are the light of the world. So on one hand, he's saying, I'm the light of the world. And then on the other hand, he's saying, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You and me. But you are a chosen generation. But you are the light of the world. Contradictory, is it? No. When, we get a, when God got a hold of us, we were in darkness. But he's pulled us into his glorious light through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He is the greatest sacrifice that has ever been given. And the blood of Jesus never loses its power. You want to know why Lucy got off that ground different? It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You want to know why I got out of the lifestyle I was in? It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The platform that God has given us is to glorify his name and to lift up the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what I've learned? When you speak about the blood of Jesus, when you sing about the blood of Jesus, oh, it's an old concept, I know that. But I tell you, something happens in the spiritual realm when we grab a hold of the blood of Christ and we say, Jesus, pour your blood out. Cleanse me, wash me, free me through the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus, church. And because of the blood of Jesus tonight, not because of anything you've done, any accomplishment you have, because of the blood of Jesus, you are the light of the world. You are the only light that some people will ever see. You say, well, I haven't got much of a platform. Well, you've got the platform God has given you. You might drive a van for Tesco's. God has given you a platform to display the light that he has put within you. You know, sometimes when we're out in the world in, an, in, in just an ordinary job, we actually have more platform than most preachers because we have a better and a stronger opportunity to display the light put in us. And he does it in two ways. How do we become the light of the world? He does it in two ways, through godly living, godly living and soul winning. Soul winning is close to my heart. I love soul winning. I love seeing people come to Jesus. I love seeing a Lucy. I love seeing a, a Paul or a, or a Fred or a whoever. I love it when people come into the church and they find Jesus. But I also love it when the church goes out into the world and people meet Jesus. Let me ask you, what's better for someone to come into the church and find Jesus? Well, that's good. But I'd rather have a church personally where we go out into the world and we display our light so brightly. We glorify his name so much that people meet Jesus. When they meet you and me, they meet Jesus. We might be the only Jesus. You've heard it before that people ever meet. Isaiah tells us that the arm of the Lord is not short and that it cannot save. How is that? How is that possible? I'll tell you how, because it's your arm. It's my arm that's reaching out to a lost and dying world for people to find Jesus. Matthew 5.16 says this, coming to a close. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, we become the star, not in the world's eyes. We become the kind of star that God wants us to through godly living, through living out the things that we speak, through living out the good things that God has done within us. 
You see, we cannot and we must not come to a place where it becomes all about what we say and what we communicate, but there is no substance behind it. Because, you know, the world has a sixth sense for hypocrisy. It really does, folks. It really does. Godly living and soul winning go together. You know, I remember when I first got saved, I was so eager to get out there and talk to people about Jesus. But I thank God for mentors, for people that God put in my life who were able to help me and disciple me. And you know what? It took a lot of years and it's still a work in progress. I'm a work in progress just like you because we all have things that we have to bring to the foot of the cross. We all have things that we have to allow God to work on us for. Because why? Because we, we want to be more godly. We want to be more righteous through him. But at the same time, we want to be soul winners. Let your light shine before men. Why? So that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. There's an amazing scripture in Daniel 12, verse 3. Listen to this. Let this get in you as we come to a conclusion. Those who are wise, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So Daniel teaches that God wants us to shine brightly. He wants to make a star out of us. He wants to make, in the right sense, us famous for the things of God, for the kingdom of God, in the right sense. He wants us to shine brightly. He wants us to be seen, but as a condition. Godly living, soul winning. It's for a purpose. You see, so often we can get pulled into the world's ideas and we can begin to think that God wants to make much out of us because we're special. Let me tell you, nothing special about us. We're all just lost and broken people on a journey. And because of Jesus, we have the amazing potential and ability to wreak havoc for the kingdom of God. I love what it says about the apostles. They turn the world upside down. I love that scripture in Acts, I think it's chapter 19, where it talks about how the message had already got to the destination. And Paul got there and it was like, it's already arrived, Paul. It's almost like turn around and go home, Paul, because like the message has overtaken you, Paul. Wouldn't it be amazing if the message overtook us? Wouldn't it be amazing if we got a hold of the things of God so much like Paul that we got to places and it was like, man, the impact of your platform has become so great. It's become so powerful. It's so godly. It's so, you're so committed to soul winning and it's so not about you that the message has overtaken you. Wouldn't it be amazing, church, if we could get to that place? Wouldn't it be amazing in the 21st century if Suddenly, it was no longer about personality or buildings or lights or this or that. But the message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus began to overtake us and began to literally get ahead of us so that we're not trying to like pull the things. 
God and convince people anymore with our words. But suddenly, like Paul, the Spirit's power is on our words. And somehow, somewhere, the Spirit of God has got a hold of the message. And it's using us. Why? Because we understand our platform. Man, I would love it if suddenly the church could break out. If the kingdom of God would become a reality once again in Lowestoft and Cumbran and Wales and England and the UK. Imagine tomorrow if we woke up and it was like churches, you might as well like kind of just shut your doors because everyone's just been touched by the message. That's kingdom impact. That's what it means to have kingdom impact. I finish with this. The kingdom impact that we are looking for is not about an individual or a personality or great preaching or great worship or it doesn't mean that suddenly you've got to do something that you couldn't do before or you've got to kind of learn this or that it just means living your life for God right where you are right now at this moment just loving people loving God loving life being obedient to him listening to the voice of the spirit and just saying Lord more than anything I want your glory I want your name and I want your fame. When, when my wife and I were on holiday, our church, many of you may be aware of this, has gone through a very, very challenging time. Last few months, it's been incredibly difficult. And we've been flat out. And my wife and I, we were on holiday and it was the first real break we'd had in a couple of months. And you know, you've got all this stuff going on. And you're lying there, sorry, in the 35 degree heat by the pool. Mike's seeing it on Twitter and getting jealous. But you get to the point and it's like you finally get a rest. And maybe you're like that tonight. Maybe it's like, man, finally tonight, somehow I've come in here and I wasn't even going to come tonight. My world is so confused. My mind is so messed. But I feel like God has just kind of given me a break. And I was lying by the pool. And I was just reading this book, and it was all about passion. Tell you, it wrecked me. Absolutely wrecked me. Because it was like stuff I already knew, but it was coming alive again because my world was so messy and stuff was going on and thinking about this and that. And some of you are there tonight. All of this stuff is going on, but God is trying to break through. God is trying to break in. God is bringing you right now to a place where you're face to face with the Spirit of God. And he's just saying, will you give it me all? Can you give me everything? Do you want to have kingdom impact? Yes. Well, give me everything. And I laid there and I read this statement and it was just all about, it was actually around Isaiah 26 verse 8. And these this words came to me, his name, his fame. That's why we do what we do. I tell you, it doesn't matter what church, what denomination, what persuasion. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in life right now. You want to know what the call of God is on your life? His name and his fame. You want to know what your destiny is? His name, his fame. Don't worry so much about position or this mission or that mission. Worry more about his name and his fame. And I'll tell you, when you set your goal for his name and his fame, something incredible will happen. All of the pressure will lift off you because no longer is, about, is it about you or how good you are or how, or how well you can lead this or do that or if you've got the gift in for this or that. Listen, it's not about that, folks. It's about Jesus. It's about the living God. It's about the Christ. It's about the one who was born of a virgin. 
It's about the one who came to shed his precious blood. It's about the one who hung on a cross, crucified as a criminal. It's about the one who took a crown of thorns for you and me. Listen, if he did all of that for you publicly, if he did all of that for you openly, so that why? So that you can go on and deliver the things of God to a generation that is lost. Listen, out there right now, there are people that need you and me to step up to our platform. They need you and me to grab a hold of our calling, grab a hold of our destiny, grab a hold of our purpose and say, Lord, no more am I going to run around the wilderness. No more am I going to keep messing up. No more am I going to go round in circles. God, tonight I am grabbing a hold of you and I am not going to let you go until you break through in my heart and in my life. And I tell you, when that happens, I promise you this, you will go to a position of kingdom impact. Suddenly everything will change. Can I ask the worship team to come up? If you would, that'd be wonderful. And um, just as we close, but listen, guys, God wants to make much of your life for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the cause of Christ. Jesus. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we want to thank you tonight for every person in this place. Lord, I pray not what I've said, not what any of the prophecies that we've heard or any of that stuff. Lord, whatever part of this meeting has spoken to anyone, I pray you'll bang hearts doors right now. Right now, guys, in the, in the I don't know what you normally do, but just feel there's a freedom. Before God, nobody looking around, just you and God. You and God. I want to speak to, first of all, maybe tonight you're in a place where it's like, man, Lucy's story, man, how she, how she just surrendered everything and now she's doing that, wow. Maybe you need to surrender. At the start of this conference, maybe you just need to surrender. You know, there's nothing to be embarrassed about when in surrender. I want to surrender with you. I want to surrender with you tonight because the greatest thing that Jesus wants from us is surrender. He just wants us to let go. He just wants us to let go of our, our agenda and ourselves. One friend of mine puts it like this. Jesus wants to be in the driving seat of your life. Through our Christian lives, we do, don't we? We get back out of the drive, we get back in the driver's seat and we, we try and do it our way again. And I want to speak to every heart in here tonight. Christians, non-Christians, ministers, anyone, wherever you're at, I want to invite you to surrender again. I want to invite you tonight. Because Peter said, but you, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a special people. God wants you to surrender tonight to your identity in him. 
right now. I'm not, I'm just wanna, I just want to ask you if you need to surrender. Just, why don't you just come and kneel at the front? Just you and God right now. Don't, don't hang around. If you need to surrender, just come and kneel at the front right now. Just kneel at the front with Jesus. Just kneel at his feet and just say, Lord, I'm surrendering. There's no proper way to do it. It's just you. You can do it in your way. That's the beautiful thing about God. We don't have a specific pattern. It's not about how I would surrender. It's, it's about you surrendering everything to him and just saying, Lord, please take my life and make much of it for your glory. Father, I pray for every person right now that's surrendering afresh to you. Lord, I pray that you would burn like a fire through their lives. I pray the blood of Jesus right now would be effective and would come and work in their hearts and their minds and their lives and that from this night forward, Jesus, as they grab a hold of you, that they would literally sense a weight of glory that they've never had before. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I just want to invite everyone that's there, just surrender. Just be with Jesus. Take as long as you need. I'm going to put the mic down now because I just want to let God be God. And if you feel, if maybe you're in the congregation and, and I don't know, you need prayer. If you want prayer, listen, I'm happy to pray for you. I, I'm sure you've got a prayer team as well. Come and grab me. But let's just worship the Lord. And just let God be God. Reflect on what he said. Reflect on the things he's done. And just let's see what he does. Amen. God bless you.